Welcome to Career Tools. This resume stinks. Part one. Here we go. This podcast answers these questions. What's wrong with this resume? And believe me, folks, it's a lot. The hardest part for me of Mark writing a book is that I know what's in it months and months and months before anybody else. I read it 20 times before we even tell anybody that it exists. And now it's here, the second book, Effective Hiring Manager. And I am so glad that it's out and we can talk about it because we get so many questions about how to decide what to ask, what to ask, how to look at resumes, how to evaluate answers, how to make a decision, how to decide whether or not someone will fit in your team. And hiring is so important. A really good hire can elevate your team in a way that you can't predict. So if you're going to be hiring in the future, get this book, The Effective Hiring Manager. You can find it on our website or you can find it at all of your favorite bookstores. Okay, Wendy, we've done something almost completely different. We need to start with an announcement here that um, this week's Career Tools cast, this resume stinks, uh, is special in that we are explicating a specific resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have shared it um, through email. We, it's on the website. Um, if you haven't looked at it, we encourage you to do so. You might be able to get a lot of this cast if you don't. But if you haven't seen it, you might want to go to the website and look at podcasts and uh, find this resume stinks and um, open it up and take a look at it. It's a classic resume that makes all kinds of mistakes. Um, and we're going to walk through all the mistakes and talk to you about why they're mistakes and how to do it right and so on. Um, we started by, uh, as you said, put, we put it out in email on the newsletter a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that we would um, put it up on the on the website in the forums uh, and allow people to comment, and we will comment on their comments, as it were. So I think we're probably going to divide this into two parts. The first bit will be um, us talking about what other people saw in the resume, and then the second part will be us talking about what we saw and and the commonalities and the differences between those things. And on the podcast page, we'll link to the forum post so that everyone can read because we're not going to read everything that people wrote uh, but if you want the rest of what they wrote it'll be in the forum post you can go look at it yes and i'd forgotten this is like the juggling koan of probably 10 or 12 years ago one of our most popular casts where we placed the uh the delegation cascade problem in front of people and asked people to write in and uh unfortunately it was a new enough idea that very few people. We had two or three people get the answer right, but it was a good deal of fun, and I think uh, I look forward to doing this one as well. We're going to start by going alternately through the answers that other people gave us. Uh, we're going to talk about particular things that they said um, and whether or not we agree or disagree. And then when we get to the second part of the cast, uh, we'll talk about the overall format of the resume. Um, a couple of errors we saw, like the where do I look problem, 
and the wasted space. Then we'll talk about the work experience section, the skill section, the certification section, and then finally we'll talk about the result of the resume because the purpose of a resume is to get you an interview and we'll talk about whether or not we think that person or this resume would have got an interview. Okay, so Wendy, how do we want to do this? You want to go back and forth? Uh, yeah, you start with Peter one. and I'll go with the next one. Okay, so Peter Sam wrote in and provided some great comments uh, with a good bit of uh, uh, humor uh, involved. Uh, Peter sent that he couldn't repeat the first words that came out of his mouth when he saw this resume, that it was hideous. It was literally a visual assault, um, which we agree with. The uh, resume uses a lot of visual elements that are wrong-headed, uh, misguided. There's a picture block at the top left of the front page, the first page. <laughs> and for those of you who are fans, that should tell you something. Um, it's unnecessary because if it has a picture of you in a real-world situation, uh, there are many, many places that believe that enhances the potential for bias in the screening process. And in this particular case, there's a block for a picture, but instead of a picture, there's a big letter of the person's last name. Uh, and in our example, which we have anonymized, it's a W for Wendy's first name. And the, the thought is, why are we wasting that much space? Why does it have to be purple? Uh, what is the value? I know the person's name once I read it and so on. It's crazy. As Peter said, can I expect 25 more resumes from Wendy, all with different letters of the alphabet? Good, Peter. Good. Um, the entire title block, which takes up, what, probably 15, 20, 20% of the mm -hmm. front page, is completely unnecessary. We know the first and last name, so there's no need to put your first and last name quite large and probably 48-point type. And then below that have a section that says first name colon followed by Wendy and then last name colon followed by Lord. Um, it's actually an insult to the recruiter's intelligence to think we can't understand details such as naming conventions or what constitutes a postal address, a phone number and an email address. So labeling those things is an assault, an insult, um, since somehow today words uh, are violence. Uh, so, horrible, which we agree with Peter on that. The skills section is wasteful, and for those of you who haven't seen it, another 20% of the first page is taken up by a section that lists skills that, in this case, Wendy has, and such as SQL Data Warehouse, Cognitive Services, Identity as a Service, Enterprise Mobility, Cloud Foundry, and so on. But they are presented as red lozenges. Um, think of a rectangle that has rounded corners uh, with white printing on top or inside them, depending upon your visual metaphor. Um, and we have the section, but at the above them, there's a very large space, probably 5% of the vertical space of the paper. It says skills as if you would need to label the skills that are so clearly skills. And then there's also a very interesting red, white on red star in a circle next to the skills, which uh, it, it was really, I think it's a non, Wendy, do we agree it's a non-designer trying to be a designer? Is I it? think so, yeah. And we'll talk more about why non-designers should not design things later, but that's, yeah. yeah. 
Peter goes on to say there's also very diverse and uh, very, very diverse skills and yet cover very, very specific technologies from a multitude of areas. So he's left thinking that while this person may have had exposure to all of them, they cannot probably, they cannot possibly have developed a truly deep understanding of any of them best to leave them out entirely. On the understanding that you'd be applying for a specific role, one would hope the job description would list required skills so the applicant would have those highlighted in his or her resume. Yeah. The work experience title, much like the skills section title, is wasteful. Again, you know, 5% of the front page wasted on a big title with large type, probably 32-point type. And it's a resume, so we expect to see work experience, and even more, we can tell what part of the resume, just by the visual cues, are, in fact, work experience. Um, telling me what is next to one another is, is, again, an insult to Peter's intelligence. There's very little substance to the experience sections, which is my favorite part of a resume, and uh, usually the part most poorly done. Uh, ignoring the, as Peter says, ignoring the wordy descriptions of each role, there is almost nothing to tell me the size and scope of each role and responsibilities, and absolutely nothing at all indicating what was actually a tree achieved. For example, Wendy was responsible for the migration of more than one million mailboxes to the cloud. But what did she actually do to achieve that as a program manager, and how well did it go? Who knows, because it's not on the resume. Yes, exactly. Um, the second experience section, and yes, dear friends, there is a second work experience section, either has a tense or spelling problem, Peter says. The past tense of the verb lead is led, L-E-A-D and L-E-D. The use of lead, L-E-D, as led uh, annoys Peter. Uh, if there were none of the other going problems with the resume, I assume I'd be prepared to forgive this and put it down to a language issue um, because Peter is an Aussie expat in Canada. But Peter goes on to say, but now I'm just angry at the resume, so I'm, I'm, looking, I'm not looking to be forgiving. Uh, and folks, if you doubt that those of us who review a lot of resumes get into those kind of uh, moods, think again. Um. Peter goes on to provide a sort of a strategic view of this, which is the career arc on the resume concerns me. Early on in this person's career, she was leading, by the way, another lead versus lead challenge, a team of engineers, no idea how many, so we assume at least one at, at Cisco. Then she moved into a technical evangelist role, then program management and solutions architecture. It's all over the place and says to me that she's not really sure what she wants to do next or what she believes she's truly good at. Uh, the education title is wasteful, Peter says. I know university is an educational institution. You, you don't need to tell me that. Same with the certifications. Um, and Peter finishes up by saying, that was a painful read. And we agree. Yeah, we do indeed. Okay, so I'm going to take the next one. Um, we're going to have the problem of trying to read usernames, but I'm going to say this one as J Solce. It's J S O L C E. Mm -hmm. um, and he said he was uh, at first glance taken aback by the purple and red. So the, the image, the W at the top, is in purple, and the and the skills, as Mark said, are in these red lozenges. Um, he said the iconography was something that he was tepid on at first, but liked more and more as he went through. So. Uh, clearly he's different to me because it just annoyed me more and more. So um, 
<laughs> it's unnecessary, it's too much, it's not helpful, and it's just a waste of effort, energy, and and my printer ink in colors. Yes. Um, he says that the heading, the name is in too light a typeface. So if you look at the resume, it's a very narrow, um, almost like the writing you have on blueprints, that kind of very narrow, very stylized writing. And it fades into the background, especially with the other colors on the on the page. And I agree with that. He says that he's probably going to remember the big purple W over the applicant's name, which is true. Um, memorable is good if you are mem- remembered for something good. If somebody remembers your resume because you have this amazing achievement on it, that's a good thing. If they remember it because it has something awful on it, that's not good. I remember a resume from, oh God, 20 years ago that had, it had, um, every time the person had a company name, they had put the company logo on the resume and it looked awful. Um, and, and I remember that from 20 years ago, but not for any good reasons. Uh, so, yeah, if you're <laughs> going to be memorable, do it for some good things. Yes. Uh, he says he could go either way on the purple W. I couldn't. I think you should take it off. Um, again, he said, uh, as Peter did, labeling first name, last name, and so on is redundant. And if you took all of those things off, then you might get down to one page or you're getting closer to one page, which is Nirvana. That says a lot because the second page is, you know, it's 40% of the second page, which is, you know, no man's land. But, you know, he may be right. It may be if you just got rid of all the labeling, it might fit on one page. Yeah. It would still be terrible, but it would be less terrible. Which just tells you if it's a page and a half, but it's only a page of information, why is it a page and a half? Right? Like, yeah. You know, Um he also says uh, he assumes that I wasn't actually using my actual email for this resume, which I wasn't. I put on our customer service address at Manager Tools. But he says, please, please do not use your current employer's email on your resume. And for better or worse, don't use Yahoo, AOL, or a Hotmail account, which I thoroughly agree with. Definitely not your employer's email address. It belongs to your employer, not to you. Um, imagine if it was real mail and it was arriving at a company address, they would be within their rights to open it. And so it's the same with email. So, um, And there was definitely a conclusion drawn when you use a Yahoo, AOL, or Hotmail account. Just use the Gmail account. Yes. What about skills? Skills skills section, he says, this can be useful if you have the desired set of skills that aren't shown well in your experience, but if you... If you have the desired skills and you've used them, they should show up in your experience. But he says, in general, show, don't tell. Um, He says, uh, you know, there's a list of skills, but there's no showing of how well he can use them or what he's used them for. He says, uh, highlight the two or three skills that are pertinent, which, you know, I agree. I, I definitely agree that you should what what is on your resume is the stuff that's pertinent if it's if it doesn't matter how cool it is that you can use java if you're never going to use java in this job you just wasted space so don't put it on there put stuff that's relevant to the hiring manager and the job that you want on your resume uh he says he uh work experience he's a fan of calling it experience um i'm not <laughs> Uh, there's no point <laughs> in having headings on a resume because there's only one thing on your resume, your work experience. You don't need a heading because it's all one thing. Exactly. Um, it, it's, it's pointless. Um, this person also used dashes between their dates. So 
we have 2013-06 space dash space present. And he's right. When you look at that, the dashes between the year and month and the dash between the dates gets very confusing quickly. Um, in general, if you want to get your resume down to one page, just use uh, the number 09 and then um, a forward slash and then the year, so 19. Um, it, it's not the clearest way to write a date. I agree with him. He says that the best way is to have uh, the three-letter month code, yes. um, which I agree with as, a, as somebody who lives in a country where they don't do dates properly and I get confused very easily. But on a resume, the most important thing is getting the information across on one page and to write out the month um, word is using space that can be used elsewhere. Yeah, good. And then his he he talks about, so we say that on a resume for each job, you have a responsibilities paragraph, which uh, describes the role and an accomplishments uh, bullet or a series of bullets for accomplishments, which show what you did with that role. Um, and he says he likes that format. This person has used that format but they've cheated because their bullets aren't accomplishments. And as he points out, there's a mix of responsibilities and achievements. And some of the things say, this was my goal. It doesn't say whether or not he even achieved the goal. I mean, I've got a goal of losing 20 pounds, but it's not going to happen. So it's pointless to have your goals on your resume. So yes. responsibilities and achievements. That's it. Yeah. Okay, you're next up. Okay, Michael Cox wrote in. Uh, Michael's a sales recruiter, and he started out by telling us they have a saying in Texas that when it comes to mind, when I see all the sparkle on this resume, useless as two buggies in a one-horse town. <laughs> Quite true. Uh, this resume does intend to look visually appealing, and that's 99% of the time a mistake. Uh, the labeling of first name, last name, address, phone, and email are not necessary. Again, folks, this person put first name, Wendy, last name. Lord, address, and then the address, and then phone number, phone number, email address, email address. Bizarre. I, I don't think I've ever seen that before. And we didn't have to look that hard to find this resume. Nope. Okay. Uh, and with all due respect to 43rd president, the big W uh, is pointless uh, waste of space. Um, there's massive acreage. Michael points out on the left side of this resume, and he's right, once you get past the skills section, the work experience section has an enormous indent uh, that is, uh, it's, it's 10, 15, 20% of the paper. Mm -hmm. uh, it's incredible. And also the skills section, he takes issue with the lozenges and the, uh, the, the very existence of the skills section. And, uh, you know, I think... If you make terrible decisions on your resume, you have to wonder whether or not he will make similar terrible decisions about known processes that many, many people engage in and for which there is generally good guidance out there. Mike goes on to say, the kiss of death on this resume was the focus on responsibilities rather than accomplishments. He's right. Uh, if you don't put accomplishments on a resume, you can't distinguish yourself from somebody who got fired while doing the job. And Michael gets cynical and says, the fact is this resume would work right now because companies need people. That's how good the economy is. But when compared to a resume that focuses on accomplishments rather than color schemes and duties, 
This example is about effective as pushing a wheelbarrow with rope handles. And we want to reveal something. This resume got a job in a hot market, but it happens to be in a hot market and he's in a hot field. So if you're a cybersecurity expert and you're looking for a job, you can put your resume in crayon. <laughs> but I suspect most of us wouldn't want to do that. And if you're going to do anything other than crayon, you might as well do it well. Indeed. So Styler uh, agreed with lots of the other inefficiencies highlighted uh, in the previous comments. But what he said that I found really interesting was, when I really think about this resume and vetting it through our hiring system, I'm confident after reviewing this that one of our recruiters would at least put the candidate through a pre-screen because keywords on her resume may be uh, flagged through the search tools. And this person would then have a chance, assuming they answered the questions well, to move on to pre-testing and an in-person interview, ultimately leading to an offer. And he says, I bring up the process to highlight the fact that we don't use the resume as a heavily weighted criteria in deciding whether or not this candidate is a right fit for the role, which is True. The job of the resume is to get you the interview, and the interviewer is where a hiring manager yeah. decides whether or not you have the right skills and whether or not you fit. That doesn't mean that this is a good resume just because it would get through. And like you just said, or uh, and Michael just said, in a hot market, it doesn't matter what your resume looks like. I found this response really interesting that someone would say, we don't consider the resume all that important in getting a person a job. We would agree with that in the sense that uh, the resume almost ceases to exist other than as a reference point for interviews once it's determined that you're somehow a fit for a job. But when you look back over the entirety of most companies' hiring process, the resume is relatively unimportant. But it's relatively unimportant in a, in a, in a string of about 15 to 20 go-no-go no go decisions and it's early on. And if you get a no-go, none of the other, let's say, 13 or 12 decisions, depending upon how you count it, will ever happen and will never matter. And if you get a no based on your resume, your resume was hugely important in keeping you from mm -hmm. getting something. Now, I think what this person's saying is that uh, almost everybody right now gets an interview from us, which is certainly fine. Um, that's not the normal way it's done. And I would argue that that, um, that is a, a resource nightmare to think that almost any resume could get someone a job. Yeah, horrible. Okay, so next up was... P. Samuel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, there were some good points uh, to the content in the resume. However, if you look at, if you listen to MT Guidance, the resume is there to help you get the interview. The sample resume should view, be viewed against the many other resumes that you as the recruiter or hiring manager would receive. When compared with the others, this resume may not encourage you to schedule an interview, which is valuable time for the hiring manager. If it's the only resume you receive, then you maybe the resume itself is a reason to say no. And P. Samuel, we would agree. Yeah, you can't just look at a resume in isolation because it is always compared with all the others and the job. Boston, the only place on earth where a boat can sail under a train, going under a vehicle, driving under an airplane. Wow. Not the only place where you can see the manager tools, effective manager and effective communicator conferences, but definitely one of those places. Come check us out October 22nd and 23rd. Register today at manager-tools.com forward slash training. 
And while you're there, you can check out the Boston University Bridge just for fun. Um, okay, so next up we had uh, someone called The Clap, um, who also agreed with many of the points that we had previously. Um, he mentioned something about the skill section that nobody else mentioned, which I thought was interested. Um, the, these lozenges, he says, online or in a PDF, these white on red blobs might be buttons so that you could click for more information. But on paper and in this PDF, they're just blobs, which is true. They do kind of look like buttons. And if I guess if it was online, then you might think that you could press them and get more information about, I don't know what, about what a SQL database is. I don't know if that would be it or if it would be an example of a project that this person did with it. So I'm not right. sure what you would link to. But the point here is most people don't read resumes online. They print them out. They print them out because they want to write on them. They want to be able to take them into meetings. They want to be able to pile them up in yeses and no piles. Um, resumes are physical. They're not online. They're not digital in the sense of that they're, they're not something you use digitally. They're not interactive. Right. So the links are pointless because you can't click on a link on something that's been printed out. He also talks about the locations and the inconsistency in which uh, in which the locations are given for the different roles. For example, we have one that says Burke, which is a city in Virginia. Um, we have San Francisco. Then we have one one job where there's nothing, and it to some extent doesn't matter what location um, mechanism you use you could use the city and the state you could just use the state you could leave it off depending on the role um, in some roles where you were is more important for example um, if you're in a film business it better be New York or LA um, and if it's somewhere else you know it, it doesn't have the same kind of cachet but what's wrong on this resume is the inconsistency because the inconsistency implies two things. Either the person doesn't know that things are supposed to be consistent or they know and they didn't do it. Yeah, they were just inefficient. They were, they were yeah. yeah. Yeah, here's what I would say about consistency because I'm sure there's at least one person listener out there going, uh, consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds, <laughs> uh, that correctness and accuracy and details is hugely important. There's also a... Um, a point of this about communication, we call it meta-communication. Um, we've all heard people trying to explain something to us where they mix a metaphor. They talk about a train uh, going under the ocean, or they talk about a, uh, an airplane with 12 wings or something like that, and you, you, you get confused. If you're producing a business document that is in a genre, it's a briefing or it's a report or it's a it's a spreadsheet or whatever there are conventions about how it's produced that make it easier that allow the reader to make assumptions about the information and once your brain learns what the conventions are that you have applied for instance the difference between 09/19 and SEP 19, both of those are appropriate, but um, in, in terms of how the human brain thinks and communicates, because as we know, communication is what the listener or the reader does. If you tell me it's SEP 19 and then you switch to 0919 and then one particular time you give me an actual date, 
I have to think through each of those things, mm -hmm. and I begin to wonder whether it's right or whether there's – is there additional metadata here that I don't get, that I don't understand? Now, probably if that were the case, I would assume, okay, this is cut and pasted from four or five different documents, but you're making it harder for me when, in fact, the dates for me only mean I need to be able to quickly determine through some mental math, it takes a billionth of a second, how long you were in this role. So therefore, I know if it's six months, I have a different approach to the quality and the number of accomplishments than if it's three years. And I also need to know whether or not it follows closely by and leads closely to the, the previous and the next jobs. That's the purpose of the dates. Any change in the formatting where I have to go back and look, heaven forbid, it's say SEP 19-12-20, meaning it's got two different conventions <laughs> in the same presentation of one job's date. It is harder for us. And the fact is, your resume is being looked at in a stack of other resumes. And if you're going to make it harder for me, if I start asking questions, I don't get a good feeling about you. And unfortunately, human beings are both rational and emotional creatures. There's no, there, there's no two ways about it. And if I get frustrated reading a resume, I'm just going to say, no. I'm not going to hire somebody who frustrates me already. I haven't even met you. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, the quality of your resume is the quality of your work. So yes. if you can't present something clearly on your resume, you're not going to be able to present. Well, no, that's not true. You could be able to present things clearly in your job. But I have no evidence to believe that. And the only evidence I have is that you can't do that. So I'm not going to employ you. Yeah, I would even say that a resume is a fairly formalized or formulaic document. I always tell the story of being able to hold a resume up 30 feet away from you. And even if you have old eyes like mine, you can tell that's a resume. You can. Or one should be able to. And if you're thinking, no, I want to I want to make it visually different as this person did, you're probably not qualified to make good decisions about what visually different is that will lead to a positive response. And in the case of a resume, it's not just formulaic. It's almost kabuki theater. It's almost so formalized as to have a certain rigidness. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that, folks, is simple. It's out of respect for the fact that you're going to produce one resume, but I have to look at a hundred at a time. And creativity does not help me do what I'm trying to do. So a, a resume like this just really is frustrating. And, and to be fair, we're trying to teach, uh, I don't have any problem if a friend of mine sends me this resume. It's okay, this is all wrong. We got to do it differently. And I, I assume, okay, you don't know how about resumes. That's fine. But if you're 25 or older, you have to know how to do a resume. Mm -hmm. And we expect you to. And if you don't, it's a small strike against you. In the same way that you have to know how to do a presentation and how to communicate with people. And interview and sit through sit through a performance review that your boss gives you exactly. and how to behave in a meeting and how to take notes and how to follow up on your own deliverables and how to report to your boss when you're going to miss a deliverable. All these things are expected. Mm -hmm. That's right. Uh, so that was the consistency piece that was so important. Good. But the next thing that he points out is that page two doesn't have a header or a footer or any identification of any kind aside from the style. <laughs> and whilst the style is pretty individual, the, the two pieces of paper could be easily separated and get lost. 
And my my answer to that is that's why you don't have a two page resume. <laughs> um, because if you were going to put all that information, the identification information on the second page, like now instead of wasting twenty percent, you've wasted forty percent of your forty percent. Yeah, right. It's just stupid. In the education section, it says that this person has been on an ITIL course. And he says, maybe someone looking to hire a SAP expert would know what an ITSM or ITIL was or be willing to Google it, but I sure don't and I am not. And that raises a good point about who sees your resume because it's not just the hiring manager who we can assume is a subject matter expert in the courses or the skills that you have and and would want to have for this job. Although that's not always true either. There's lots of managers who manage people doing things that they couldn't do themselves, don't do themselves, have never done themselves. Um, But there's also HR, there's legal, there's all sorts of people, there's admins who see your resume and have um, an influence over whether or not it goes forward. And if you use abbreviations without an explanation, then it's possible that that person won't recognize that this and this are the same thing and therefore you do have what it takes. A lot of us write MS Office instead of Microsoft Office. But you can imagine that there are people in the workplace who just arrived, you know, are 16, just got out of school, and somebody says MS Office and they don't know that it's Microsoft or vice versa. And that's kind of what happens on your resume, potentially. If there's things on there where you've used a, an abbreviation or a, a sort of jargon, it's possible that the person reading it don't, won't understand it. So you should think yeah. of that. And next, uh, he did something really cool that I was really grateful for. So he, what he did was he took the resume that we'd paste, uh, we'd posted, copied the text from it, and pasted it into Evernote. Now he said he was looking for spelling mistakes, but what happened was something really interesting. The data didn't paste nicely. So he says the first name um, and the last name. The labels, first name and last name, ended up next to each other, but the first name, the actual first name, ended up half a page later. And he says the Lord ended up next to the last name, but it's not clear that, you know, the Wendy belongs with the first name. Um, The address and phone number ended up in strange places. Um, The email addresses had spaces in them, which don't exist on the resume, which would make it difficult if you were copying and pasting. Um, and he said the skills ended up all over the place um, with the red lozenges and the text separated from each other. And of course, the text was white, so you couldn't even see those to some extent. So the point of that was when you put your when your resume goes into a company and it goes into an applicant tracking system, um, the applicant tracking system reads the resume looking for certain pieces of information and fills them in in fields in a record that's your record. And if the program can't read your resume, which clearly this one could not, then your data ends up all over the place. And you can imagine that when the recruiter is searching for you and all you have is the last name and the first name somewhere else or the email address that they're trying to search for didn't come through properly, then they're not going to find you. And that's another reason why fancy resumes are a bad thing because they don't go into ATSs nicely. And ATSs are a lot less sophisticated than most people think. It is not like Google. The, the yeah, last time good. I used one, it was a black screen with green, with green writing on it. It really is like antiquated. Uh, so no formatting apart from bold and underline, and your resume is much more likely 
to go nicely into the ATS and be searchable. Yeah, I actually like the idea of the the uh, clicking and dragging. I I uh, don't we recommend sending PDFs rather than live documents. PDFs are sometimes iffy in ATSs. I would send a Word document, the latest version of a Word document. Um, I haven't done it for some time, and maybe they've improved, but PDFs used to break the systems that I worked on. Yeah, good. So the next is from RWWH, which is our good longtime friend, Rob, from Amsterdam. Rob, how are you? Uh, The green laser pointer of death lives on, (laughs) thanks to you. Uh, Folks, uh, we've known Rob for a long time, and he's very kind to write. He's a busy guy. And um, to give you some sense of how strongly we feel about Rob, at the very first presentation of the Effective Hiring Manager Conference in Palo Alto, Rob attended from Amsterdam uh, because he wanted to be there. So, uh, bless you, Rob. Um, (laughs) Okay, Rob is... uh, Efficient with his words. So he says, number one, more than one page. He's right. (laughs) Number two, picture and double name. No pictures needed. Certainly no pictogram. Duplication of the name unnecessary. All required detail, contact details fit on one line. He means they can and they should. They can and they should, right. Yeah. Work email. Use a private but professionally adequate email address. Four, huge wasted skill space. If there are any skills relevant for the job, they should be shown in the form of education or accomplishments. This is how you select the relevant lines from the career management document. Skills are even seemingly randomly ordered. Even if they were used, it would take a lot of time to search through them. That's a very good point. I didn't think about that. I assumed that it was just my lack of knowledge, but as I look at it again, they're a mishmash. Uh, They don't make sense. No section headings are needed. Readability, Rob says, I need to go left, right, left, up, down, up to read it instead of the information flowing on the page. This wastes time, the recruiting manager, and precious space on the sheet. And uh, falling into fancy versus factual, I'm trying for, you know, being clever and right versus effective is is uh, bad. Yeah, yeah. Don't do fancy, do yeah. factual. Yeah. Missing list of accomplishments. Responsibilities are the same whether you are excellent at your job or fired for inadequacy. Also not useful for the hiring manager to use the basis for further questions. That's important. You wouldn't want to ask people about their responsibilities. You'd want to ask them about accomplishments. This would scare me, frankly, and I agree with Rob here because I'm afraid that if I ask this person behavioral accomplishment questions, significant accomplishment questions, it's going to be hard to get them uh, because there are none that are shown. there are even, Rob goes on to say, there are even accomplishments hidden, hiding in the description of jobs. If your job has growth and delivery talker, show how you delivered on these. And if you don't show that you delivered on them, we assume you didn't deliver. Very inconsistent, he says. Probably learned somewhere not to repeat the same phrase, but ending up with responsibilities partially in present, continuing tense, partially in past tense. In one job, and goals in present tense and imperative, in another leaving... Uh, it leaves the the hiring manager guessing from the different intentions between these uses. Resumes are not literature, guys. You can repeat the word as much as you need to. Like you said, it's a kind of formal language, and it doesn't yes. need it doesn't need to be interesting to read. Apart from, oh my gosh, they did that. I want to talk to them about that. Yes, there are some missing articles and punctuation, leaving out the, the word a or the in a few places. 
Sometimes it gives the impression trying to save space and other places just showing weak grammar, at least one sentence that is hard to read because of a missing comma. You know, if this is your best work, what does it tell me about the standard you hold yourself to? Mm -hmm. Filler words and filler sentences. These could be left out to save reading time and space. Dangling words, what we would call in the printing business widows and orphans. Uh, you want to eliminate those, and that's just a function of parsing your wording on the on the words before that. Abbreviation. I hope the hiring manager is more aware of all these abbreviations than I am. Progression of the jobs leaves questions. There's no skill building, more haphazard jumping from cloud manager to solutions architect is neither a move that is up or sideways. It could be a downgrade. And that is where the person is for six years. This may be a hook for many questions rather than a flaw. And as Wendy pointed out to me beforehand, no, it's a flaw. <laughs> so, Rob, thank you. Rob's a scientist, you can tell. Yeah. You see, he's very, very precise and um, measured in what he says. He's a good man. That's it, everybody. Stay tuned next week. We'll go into details of our explication of this challenging resume. See you then. Thank you.